Hey there, greetings everyone and welcome back to another episode of Plan B Success. We're with Robert Miller today from Massachusetts. Now Robert has a podcast, Follow Your Dream Podcast. He's also into bands and playing and he's had a wonderful career and now he's working on providing you with the wherewithal that you need in order to follow your dreams. So welcome, Robert. Thank you, Rajiv. Nice to be here. So in your own words, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, I was a musician early on and felt that that was going to be my career. Um, that's what I was aiming towards. But like so many people, um, life got in the way for me and I got sidetracked from that career for a long time. And it was only when I was in my 60s that I finally got back to the dream that I had when I was young. And that was a music dream, of course. And since that time, um, I have devoted myself first to the music and it's been very, very successful. And then out of that, I decided to do a podcast, which as you said, is called Follow Your Dream because I think people found my story inspirational and I felt that I could help others to follow and succeed at their dream, whatever it might be. Awesome. So you mentioned, you know, at 60 is where you got to chase your passion. So what, what did you do throughout your life? What was your career like? Well, again, I started out playing music and I thought that that's where it was going to go. But um, when I graduated college, I was a broadcasting and film major in college. And my aspiration at that time was to do a, a broadcasting job during the day and play music at night. And when I got out of college, I was able to get an entry-level job in a public television station in Boston. Um, it was in the mailroom, because that's where everybody started at that time. And I thought I was going to get out of the mailroom and get into the production end of things within about a month or so, because that had been the trajectory of everybody else that had the job. But it was a bad time in the economy. And unfortunately, there were no job openings. So even though I was volunteering within the station, I couldn't get another job within the station. So I was stuck in the mailroom, not for a couple of months, but for over a year. And in the meantime, I was playing music in the evenings uh, in all the various clubs around the Boston area. But the, the tragedy for me was that between the two jobs, I was making nothing. Uh, it was not a living. It was an existence, if you will. And in a moment of complete weakness, a friend of mine said to me, why don't you go to law school? And I said, why would I want to do that? And, they, and he said, well, you could do law during the day and you could play music at night. And you, that would be a good living. And I thought about it for about two nanoseconds because I was a dumb 20-year-old kid, of course. And that's what I did. I, I went and applied to law school and I got in and I started to attend law school and anybody that knows anything about the law knows that, as they say, the law is a jealous mistress, which means that I was working 23 hours a day. I had no time whatsoever to even think about, much less play music. And at that time, I was also married, and we had our first child. And then I graduated from law school, and I got a job. And, you know, again, I, I was working 23 hours a day. Music became just a, a, a figment of my imagination. The sad thing is that I stopped playing music for 15 years. Okay, 15 wow. years. My goal had been go to law school, play music at night, 
really focus on the music. And it was completely the other way. I just couldn't get my act together. And uh, it was a very kind of sad thing for me at that time. But I always had the dream inside of me. And I believe that everybody starts off life with a dream. Um, and the dreams tend to be kind of big when we're young, you know, to be a, an astronaut, to be um, a, a, a baseball player or something like that, or maybe a famous musician. Um, but as we go further in life, um, life tends to get in the way. And that's what happened to me. And it happens to so many other people. We fall into something, as you said at the beginning of the program. Maybe we didn't choose what we fell into, but we just did. And uh, we've got a job, we've got obligations, we've got family. All of a sudden, that dream is starting to fade away. And that's what happened to me. And it was only because I finally, when I was, you know, decades into this dream, I finally said, if I don't do it now, when in the world am I ever going to do it? And that's what happened when I passed my 60th birthday. And then I just said, I'm going to jump into the deep end of the pool. I don't want to regret for the rest of my life that I never gave it a shot. That's amazing. You know, that's what plan B success is all about. You know, when you look back, you don't want to have any regrets. So is that when you started uh, Project Grand Slam? Well, I had started Project Grand Slam a little bit earlier than that, but it was more like a like an avocation, more like a hobby, because I was still working and uh, working in, in, in the other fields. And I, I wasn't doing music full time, which is what I wanted to do. And I felt that if I really was going to get anywhere, I, I needed to do it full time. And yet, at the same time, by the time I jumped into that deep end of the pool, I'm past 60. I couldn't think of one other musician that started out in a field like music when they were my age. You know, it's not like the Rolling Stones that are still doing it at 70 or 80, but they started out doing it when they were 20. Uh, here's a guy that's jumping in to do it for the first time, really, when I was that age. So one of the things that I did, I believe that everything works better when you have an action plan. And that's one of my philosophies. So I had an action plan and I literally wrote down on a napkin the first five or 10 steps that I felt I was going to have to take if I was really going to give music a shot. And one of those steps, of course, was to put together a band, which I called Project Grand Slam. And I decided that what I wanted in the band was um, to surround myself with not only talented musicians, but their youth as well. I wanted young, talented musicians because I wanted their excitement, their vitality, their youth, their enthusiasm. And I was very fortunate in being able to put together that kind of band. And it so happens that the band that I put together also has another attribute, and that is that almost everybody is from another country. Wow. So I have a number of Latin musicians that come from places like Mexico and Venezuela and Puerto Rico. I have a, a, a fellow that comes from Canada, another one that comes from Italy, um, of course, one or two from the United States, like myself. But it becomes almost like a melting pot where I not only get their enthusiasm and their talent, but their culture as well. And that gets infused into the music. So I've been very lucky in that regard. So when did you start this? It was 20, right around 2015? 
I started Project Grand Slam several years earlier than that, but I became serious about it in 2015 when we put out our first um, album in our newly formed uh, manner. And that was called Made in New York. Um, each year since then, I have put out at least one album of new material. Uh, so I'm making up for lost time. That's one of the things that I needed to do. Um, and we've, we've been playing around the world um, when we were able to play out. Of course, during the pandemic, it's been impossible to play. It's just now starting to loosen up. We played a couple of festivals this past summer. But um, up until 2020, uh, we were playing as, in clubs. We were playing concerts. We were playing festivals around the world. So it was a, it was a very heady time for us. You mentioned that you started off with an action plan. How did that work out for you in terms of, you know, when you had this vision for Project Grand Slam and what you wanted to do with it, did everything work out for your action plan or were there pivots that you saw? Oh, there's always pivots. <laughs> um, there's no such thing as an action plan that works out 100%. <laughs> okay, it's more like a guideline. Um, right. It's more like a roadmap for you. Um, I, I, there were too many nights that I even want to recall where we were playing in clubs and basically giving a private concert for the bartender and the waitress, okay, because there, there weren't any patrons there. But that's part of the learning experience. You know, I, I, I like to say it's, it's one step forward, two steps back, and three steps sideways. And you have to be willing to go for, you know, you have to be willing to live with that. And I also have therefore believe that you always have to constantly adjust your action plan. You know, there's a famous quote by the former heavyweight champion, Mike Tyson, when people asked him, did you have an action plan when you went into the ring? And he said, yes, everybody has an action plan until they get hit in the face. And then they have to adjust that plan. So that's the way I felt in music as well. Now, in terms of... Uh the pandemic and, you know, right now the after effects of it, how has that changed uh, what, what you've been doing with the band? Well, it's changed it dramatically. First of all, as I said, when, when the pandemic hit at the beginning of 2020, we were fortunate in the sense that we had just released in January of 2020, the last album that we had put together as a band called East Side Sessions. We couldn't tour in support of that album because the world just closed down. We played our last gig in February of 2020. So I had to then say to myself, what were we going to do at this point? And the first thing I decided to do was to release some videos of songs that were on that album. And the first couple were, you know, typical Zoom type videos with all the musicians set up, you know, like in a checkerboard. Mm -hmm. And everybody is lip syncing and lip playing to the songs. But it was a good way to introduce the music to the public. And then we got a little bit more adventurous. We did one that was um, uh, an animated uh, video. And the fourth one that we did, uh, we took an, uh, an older spaghetti Western movie that kind of worked visually with the music that I had written for a particular song. So we put that out as a video. But that wasn't enough for me to just do some videos. I constantly write music. And here it was um, now into the spring and the summer of 2020. 
and I was writing music, but we had no way of rehearsing. We had no way of going into a studio together, which is what we would normally do. So I decided that I was going to do something different. Um, and that was, I was going to do an album remotely. And so from my, uh, you know, little uh, basement uh, room in Massachusetts, I started to put together the music. I started to, to email it out to the various members of the band. They would email back their parts and we, and we began to assemble the music almost like a little bit of a Frankenstein um, through our uh, engineer. But I also decided that the songs I was writing during the pandemic were different kind of songs. Um, it was obviously about the, 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 the twists and turns and perils that we were all feeling from the pandemic. But there was a, an emotion that was coming through all of my music, which I felt very strongly. And that was, I felt that love is what was going to get us through the pandemic. Remember, this was way before we had vaccines and things like that. And the songs that I was writing were very personal songs. And I decided that I was going to go out on a limb and I was going to sing all the songs. Up until then, I had only sung harmony. I had, you know, professional, wonderful singers that would sing the songs that I wrote. But I went out on a limb and decided that I was going to do the singing on these albums. So here we went into, you know, I did the first album uh, during the pandemic was called Summer of Love 2020. As I said, it was a love theme through the album. Some people didn't get it because they said, what are you talking about? It's a pandemic. What, what kind of love is there? And I said, nope, that's what I felt was going to get us through the pandemic. And then um, I, I did a second album uh, during the pandemic time as well. And this was much more of a, an album of rock and roll kind of music that's more near and dear to my heart where I started out with. So I call this album Miller Rocks. And uh, I did something very different with this album. And that is this came out after I started my podcast. And one of the things that I was able to do on the podcast is to do kind of special bonus music episodes where I would introduce a song each time on the podcast, tell people, what, I, what my motivation was, tell them a little bit about the song and let them hear it a couple of times. And that was very successful and very different. So those two things. And then, as I said, finally, this past summer, we were able to start playing a few uh, live concerts, which we did. And then very recently, within the last week or so, I took the band into the studio and we literally recorded our concert set list live in the studio something that again i hadn't done before so i anticipate that a new live album will come out sometime the beginning of 2022 awesome so is this uh, still a passion project at this point or uh, are you looking at uh, figuring out the business model around it what are you looking to do with it you're talking about the music the podcast yeah. or both no no the music well for me the music was was always a passion project Okay, it was never, you know, I'm in an age and a position in my life where I'm not dependent upon music to make my living. And I'm not dependent upon my podcast to do that either. To me, the most important thing for both is to put out the highest quality music and podcast episodes that I possibly can. And for the podcast, it's just worked out so well, much better than I ever anticipated. I started my podcast in, in March of 2021. 
Here it is about six or seven months later. Uh, it's already uh, in the top 5% of, of all podcasts based upon the metrics that I have been provided with. It's, we've, I've had well over 100,000 downloads at this point, well over 100 countries. And the quality of the guests that I'm getting on the podcast are just triple A. Um, I've been so pleased with it. A lot of musicians, a lot of famous musicians, in fact, as well as people from other uh, of the arts. I've had dancers, authors, uh, actors, but other people as well. Um, so it's, it's a well-rounded uh, group of people that I've had as guests on the podcast. And you call it the Follow Your Dream podcast. So Follow can, Your Dream. Can you tell us more about it and uh, in terms of uh, the structure and, and what you're getting at with it? Sure. Uh, it's, a, it's approximately 30 to 40 minutes once a week. Um, it's primarily me interviewing people that have been successful in following their dream. Because again, my mission here is to try and motivate and inspire people that have not followed their dream for whatever reason, or maybe have followed it, but have not been successful at it. I want to motivate them and inspire them to follow and succeed at their dream. So one way to do that is to have really talented people that have in fact followed and uh, succeeded at their dream. And some of the other episodes are me talking to my audience and telling them about, you know, again, my music, I've introduced my music. I play, by the way, I should add in each episode of the podcast, I um, introduce a different uh, song of mine that somehow relates to the guest or the, or the subject matter of my interview. It's my featured song for that episode. Because again, for me, my dream was music. So music and my, my music, in fact, is the manifestation of my dream. And I want to show people, first, because I'm very proud of what I've done, and secondly, because again, it relates to my dream. Awesome. You also mentioned a book that goes along with your podcast. Right. Well, people had said to me, you know, it's one thing to start the podcast. Do you think you should do some kind of a book that goes along with it? And I thought about it and I said, okay, you know, I, I wasn't going to write a novel. I wasn't going to write the next war and peace, but I felt that I could take the, uh, the structure of the podcast and put it down on paper so that I could show people not only a, a memoir of, of what I accomplished, and again, in a field that is an unlikely field at my age to have accomplished anything, but also to give people a how-to, a step-by-step how-to, because I think that that's what you need. And again, the, the focal point of the how-to is the action plan which I think everybody needs. And I believe that the action plan has to be a series of baby steps. Because if you think about your project, whatever it is, whether it's a new job, a new hobby, uh, a new business, if, if you say to yourself, well, I have to encompass the entire thing all at once, I think you get intimidated. I think you get scared. But if you say to yourself, well, what do I need to do here? How do I start out with baby step A and go to baby step B? 
Okay, that's a manageable step. Now I go from step B to step C. That's also manageable. So I, I put together, if, I, if you will, a, a line, a timeline and an action line that shows you how you can get from where you're starting off to where you'd like to be. And it, it, when you do it in bite-sized pieces like that, it's no longer intimidating. It's doable. And I think that that's the secret to what I am saying here. Awesome. So Robert, what are your future plans for both your music as well as your podcast? Well, I'm going to continue to play music as long as I can. Um, I, I, I keep writing music. Uh, it's, it's so important to me. And I want to play live as much as I can when the opportunity presents itself. And the podcast has been just um, a, a real you know, eye-opener for me. I didn't expect it to, to go as quickly or as well as it has. It's obviously struck a bit of a nerve. And I, I love doing it. I love talking to the people that I have on my podcast. And I like putting it together. And I like uh, the results that we're seeing. So I, I'm going to continue doing it. Awesome. Well, Robert, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story. This has been uh, very inspiring uh, in terms of looking at what you've done with, with yourself and following your dream. Before I let you go, one takeaway for the listeners, anything that you'd like to share? Well, my motto is you're never too old and it's never too late to follow your dream. And I think that if people keep that in mind, there's almost nothing that they can't accomplish. Absolutely. And I think you're an epitome of that. You're showing it. You're showing the path yourself, doing it yourself. And it comes out really strong for others to be inspired by and follow. Thank you so much for joining us today. We wish you the very best as you continue to sing, play, as well as uh, spread the word. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you.